This is The Plural of You, a podcast about people helping people. I'm Josh Morgan. David Lopez is an award-winning technology librarian in Santa Ana, California. He's been active in developing youth and technology programs in Santa Ana for several years, both through the city's public library and by volunteering in his spare time. He's also active in promoting information and library services among Spanish speakers throughout the country because they're often underserved in these areas. His resume is a testament to his compassion and his commitment to the people in the city and beyond. The American Library Association argues that all people should have access to the information they need, and that's what the presence of libraries like David's represents. They also offer social benefits as a third place, which is the term to describe places other than home or work where people can gather and socialize. Studies have shown that libraries have significant effects on the wellness of our communities and among those of us who use them. A Norwegian professor named Andreas Varheim observed in a study of Mexican immigrants to the U.S., that the use of public library services had positive effects on their trust in others. A Canadian professor named Catherine A. Johnson also found that library use had some positive effects on trust and civic participation, and that there's a relationship between library use and social capital, which refers to the social resources that we have access to. Other researchers have argued that libraries are objectively positive due to their effects on us, and by that logic, libraries should be some of the least controversial agencies to receive public support. So back to David. David was actually kind enough to talk with me for this episode twice. I goofed and forgot to record our first conversation, but he agreed to try again. Here's David Lopez, technology librarian at the Santa Ana Public Library. Hi, David. I'm so sorry about the other day. No, no worries. I hope you don't mind talking about some of the same stuff again. That's cool. I'll just um, I'll just pretend like it's the first time. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this again with me. So let's start from the beginning. Um, what's a typical day like for you at the library? Basically, no two days are the same. I come in and the majority of my day is supervising the library programming and services at one of our community centers. Uh, it's Garfield Community Center. That's um, a joint venture with the city and the school district. Aside from that, I also help m- monitor and maintain all of the agency's social media accounts and certain websites and blogs. And and then when we have them, I uh, process all of the film permits for the city of Santa Ana. So any films or TV shows or reality shows that are coming in through the city, um, they'll apply through the city. I'm the one that receives that paperwork. I process it and I issue them an application. Um, and other than that, I also a reference librarian on occasion and I manage a library collection and I help mentor the youth here in the digital media program. So what inspired you to get into this line of work? I kind of grew up in the library. My aunt and my sister worked in a library for the majority of my childhood. It was actually the library that was really close to our neighborhood. So a lot of my summers and days after school and weekends were at the library reading, taking part in special events, summer reading programs getting tutoring, volunteering. So it was kind of like already ingrained in me or beat over my head, I guess, as I was a kid. But it wasn't until I left high school that I, you know, a a job opening came up here at the library and I applied because I thought, hey, you know, I have some really cool memories about the library. So why not apply? And my aunt was still currently working at the library. So, you know, I got into it and 
it wasn't until I finished my first master's degree that, you know, at the library, they kind of urged me or invited me to, you know, really consider pursuing a degree in, in libraries. And it wasn't something that I had ever really imagined, kind of like an accidental career for me, but it's really something that it was right before me at all times and I wasn't paying attention. And so that's kind of how it happened. What kinds of subjects did you study while you were going for your master's in library science? You know, the library science program has all different types of paths or avenues that you could take. You could become an archivist. You could work in public libraries. You can work in academic libraries and school libraries. You could focus on teaching. You can focus on working in with diverse communities. You could, you know, it's everything. For me specifically, I found that I would gravitate more towards the coursework that was more focused on working with diverse communities. It's, um specifically English learners and uh, immigrant communities, just because I already kind of knew that from working here in Santa Ana. So for me, that's kind of what I enjoyed. I didn't realize that there was so much like social work involved in being a librarian, you know, where you have to really get to know a community in order to be able to serve them properly. You know, you mentioned the last time we talked that social work was a big part of what you do. I guess I never thought of it that way. But thinking about libraries as community hubs, I mean, that that makes sense. Definitely. I mean, I know that there are people coming in who may be in this city all by themselves and they don't have anywhere to turn to or anyone to ask questions. So they come, some of them, you know, even without knowing what to say or what to do. And you have to kind of make them feel at ease and help them get to where they need to go by really communicating with them and essentially like breaking them down into like the most vulnerable places. I mean, some people are could that come in are getting evicted from their houses or, and they need, you know, they need resources. They need to know where they're going to spend the night next week, or they need to apply for housing. They need to apply for jobs. Some people come in and they, you know, need to take food handlers tests. We get a lot of people that work in food service here. So it's just, like I mentioned, day by day, we get so many different scenarios. We work with a lot of homeless population as well. And you need to kind of like learn how to understand and maybe use what you have within reach to be able to provide the best possible service for them. And I imagine you provide more than just English language services. Yeah, about... About 80% of our population here in Santa Ana is Latino and immigrant populations. So a great majority is Spanish speaking. Santa Ana has one of the most extensive, if not the most extensive Spanish language collection in a library in all of Orange County. Our adult services librarian and our children's librarian who focus on Spanish language texts are really great at getting the best possible work here into the library for our patrons. We have books that are internationally published that are published specifically for Spanish readers. It's nothing that's translated. Sometimes it's with translations, you lose a lot of the real meaning of the text or the book. So um, it's really vital to pay attention to those types of things when working with Spanish speakers or people who are learning Spanish as well. Not just that, but we provide Spanish language computer workshops. We all of our staff is bilingual. They're required to be either bilingual in Spanish or Vietnamese because we do have a small community that is Vietnamese speaking. 
So we kind of have to be versatile and be on our toes and be ready to answer any question in English, Spanish, or Vietnamese, or even sometimes people that come in who need sign language, even though we don't know sign language, you know, we, we work, we, we do the best, you know, to be able to get them what they need. Are there any services you would like to provide, but you can't? Or, well, maybe a better question is, are there any services that you're working on that you're planning to implement soon? I mean, I don't think that we could ever say that we can't do any pro- programs or services because I think there's always a possibility. There's always opportunities for grants and uh, we should always be open-minded to like bringing something in that's new. I think something that I personally would like to work on is um, possibly having film screenings or film festivals, something that of that nature that's in English, Spanish, even Vietnamese. I have a background in film, so that's really near and dear to my heart. So I think that that's something that I would like to share with the community. I've also seen in other libraries, they have something called a human library. Have you heard of human library? No, I haven't. They have basically a catalog of people that are volunteers from the community. Maybe, you know, you're a doctor, a police officer, a um, crossing guard, a teacher, nurse, and you have them pledge to volunteer some time and they come into the library and you basically you catalog them in a book and people can come into the library with their library card and check out, you know, a human book, somebody who's an expert maybe on doing podcasts. You know, you would check them out for maybe an hour and have really a one-on-one conversation with them. And um, I think that's really important to not forget that there are people in the community who are so knowledgeable and experienced in certain things and um, something that you definitely can't find in a book. You know, it's so helpful to have somebody give you a firsthand account of something that they've done or they've, you know, been successful at. And I think, I mean, we don't have anything planned like that at our library, but that is really something that I would like to maybe try here. You know, our community really would value something like that. And, you know, sometimes it's easier to talk to a person than read a book. That's a great idea. But how would you go about starting something like that? It would take a lot of planning. You definitely need to do a lot of recruitment and a call for volunteers and get people to really be invested and be as passionate about the project as you. You know, once you have a line of volunteers, you know, I would then, you know, continue to like catalog, you know, you collect everybody's bios, what their interests are, you know, what their strengths are, and then you put it all together and then you do heavy promotion. Promotion is always key in anything related to a library. You know, sometimes we'll have a story time with one person. Sometimes we'll have a story time with almost a hundred kids or a hundred people. And it really just depends on how well it's promoted and marketed and, you know, what the theme is. And like in anything, you know, it's whatever is selling, you know, it's business, right? Right. you know, at the end of the day. So you really seem to embrace your library's role as a community center. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you believe in that so strongly? My parents immigrated here from Mexico and they basically were very limited on the types of resources that they had for our family. I'm the youngest of four, but even though I'm kind of like at the end of that spectrum, you know, my older siblings didn't really have a lot of knowledge in terms of like what the community had to offer. Had my parents maybe, and I was, you know, I grew up in the library and it wasn't until my older siblings were older that I kind of started to get involved in libraries. But 
if my parents starting off in their marriage and in their family had taken advantage of what a library could have offered to them, I don't know what they what could, they could have done with their own lives. You know, a lot of times, even parents who aren't immigrants, but immigrant parents, they sacrifice so much of themselves so that they can get their kids out there and expose them to, you know, what the world has to offer. And, you know, a library is that place. It's really the hub, like you said, where you can access information, you can, you know, get connected to people across the world where you can learn something brand new. And if we don't have that service or that type of connection with the community, then we're not doing our job. Earlier, you mentioned the Garfield Center. What kind of services do you provide there? Sure. The Garfield Community Center, like I mentioned, you know, it's just been open for a little over a year. It's a joint use facility. It was an agreement between the school district and the city of Santa Ana. Basically, it works two ways. You know, the school uses the bottom portion of the center throughout the school day. The kids have their recitals there. They have assemblies. Teachers have their meetings. It's basically their multi-purpose room. And throughout the day, the upstairs portion, it's a two-story facility, is programmed for the city of Santa Ana. We have a state-of-the-art audio, AV equipment, and computer lab there for the public to use. We have 20 Mac computers where people can come in, use it as a computer lab. They have access to internet, Wi-Fi. They can print. We are also offering video production classes. They can come in. They can Skype themselves. They can learn how to type. They can take computer classes. Also, we have a tutoring center where the kids can come in after school and they can get tutoring. And those are all bilingual tutors in English and in Spanish, and I think some of them also speak Vietnamese. And on the other side, we have the Parks Division, who's there. They offer karate, Zumba, gymnastics, oh, cool. yoga. So they are, you know, we're trying to really tap into the community's needs as best we can. So I imagine you started out with like a set of core services. Is there anything you're offering now that came as a result of community feedback? Yeah, definitely. Um, originally that place was supposed to be kind of like a headquarters for our uh, city cable channel. Oh, okay. We do have ownership of that channel, CTV3, City of Santa Ana. And we basically do community programming. We go out to uh, community events. We film them. We do PSAs. We, we do special events. And the Garfield Center was meant to really be that core. We have video production equipment. We have light boxes, sound equipment. We have, all of the computers are equipped with video editing software. And that was originally the plan. You know, we, we still are doing that by offering workshops and opening it up to the community. But what you begin to notice when you provide a service to the people is that they will kind of dictate the way that things are going to go. It's kind of like you have this and yes, they will like this and they, appreciate it. But what they really need is this other thing, you know, and I think that it's our duty to really just move in the direction that the community needs us to go. You know, if they want English classes, you know, maybe we don't teach English classes, but we should really figure out how to do that so that they can have it. You know, a lot of our communities is very low income, so they don't have the means to go out and pay to use Rosetta Stone or to, you know, take a private tutor lesson. So we have to um, really take that into account and mold our services and programs for them. 
I like that your library embraces this role as like a technology hub mm-hmm. because it's like you said, people in your area may not have access to these resources otherwise. Yeah. And it's really strange, you know, I mean, in lots of places, you know, you know, across the world still, people are still not up to speed with technology or with, you know, what's going on. People refuse to even get on board. I, I noticed that it's like a generational thing, um, also a cultural thing. In our community, we do have a huge divide. There are a lot of families who don't have internet or computers at home, and they come here because this is where they need to go so that they can access those things. And the first step is to educate them, you know, is to expose them and educate them and show them that a computer is just more than just internet browsing, you know, more than just watching YouTube. It's more than just typing a letter, you know, or that a computer can, you know, organize your life or that you know, you can use it for so many different ways. And it's about educating them and having them appreciate technology and make it so that it becomes a part of their life and benefits them. So I found out about you because you recently won the I Love My Librarian Award. Yes. Which seems like a pretty prestigious award in your field. I was wondering if you could describe what the process was like when you found out you were going to win this award. Sure. I was nominated for the award by a great friend of mine, Sarah Rafael Garcia. She is the founder of a youth uh, writing program here in Orange County. It's called Barrio Writers. She, I met her in 2010 and she's kind of been my writing buddy and my confidant in some, in some instances. I've helped by being a writing advisor to her group and I'm a huge advocate and supporter of the things that they do. And I invited her to come do a writing workshop at Garfield last year. And, you know, when she came in, we had, we had this really great experience together because we noticed that one of the patrons had come in and he had requested if we would help him to Skype with someone. And we, that wasn't a service that we provided because we didn't know that anybody needed to Skype. And so you know, we said, well, why not? So we downloaded Skype and we watched this man contact and see his mother on video who who he had not seen in 20 years. And, you know, he was switching from Spanish to Zapoteco, which is a native uh, dialect of Mexico. And, you know, we were just really touched to, you know, she, as much as I was surprised at how, even though we're still doing what we're doing, Every day we learn and we witness something more spectacular. And this man is, you know, in his sixties and, you know, he didn't realize that he could do that here at the library. And I think that sharing that with her really kind of inspired her and she submitted the nomination on my behalf, you know, not just for the work I do in the library, but for the volunteer work that I do. I, I was also at the time writing a column in the local newspaper for the Orange County Register called Life in the Golden City was the name of the column. And that focused on all positive stories about the city's culture, arts, businesses, education. And oh, cool. that kind of, that came also from, you know, my pride of the city and how I wanted to really give good news all the time. You know, I'm so tired of seeing all this bad news. And I think, right. you know, how can we be better people if we're always getting bogged down for the bad stuff? So that's kind of how that became about. And then I guess a few weeks before the award, you know, I received a, a call from Barbara Stripling, who was the uh, past ALA president. And she called me and let me know that, you know, I had been selected and that was a nice surprise and a great 
highlight of my career, you know, thus far. And I'm very happy experience and great. I met a lot of wonderful librarians from across the U.S., people who are very deserving and it was very inspiring and, you know, it looks great for, you know, the library to be able to say that, you know, we're doing something, you know, with the community, with whatever means we have. What other kinds of activities are you involved in besides being a librarian? I am very active in Reforma. Reforma is the national association to promote library and information services to Latinos and Spanish speaking. Um, I was introduced to Reforma through a coworker of mine who's now the current national president, actually. She invited me to join um, several years ago while we were going through a grant here at work. And it has really opened my eyes to what's going on in the library field and in work with minorities and at-risk populations. Um, I'm the current president of the Orange County chapter. We have 20 chapters throughout the U.S. and one in Puerto Rico. And, you know, it's really meeting people that you can relate to. And by that, I mean that people who have been through similar things through you because they come from a similar background. You know, a lot of Latino librarians who are still underrepresented in, in libraries today because we don't have enough of them to really help the Spanish-speaking America. Oh, I never thought about that. So we really focus on promoting and heightening library programming and services for people, you know, across the U.S. and in, you know, Latin America and building that, um, that international connection with, you know, Latin American countries so that we can essentially make people feel comfortable here and educate them and really instill that love of literacy and higher education in our young people and in our, you know, people who are pursuing a career in any field. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really cool organization. We have an upcoming international conference, um, in San Diego, California, and, um, it's going to be really great. There's going to be a lot of librarians from all around coming through and learning so much that, you know, the field has to offer. And it's great for students. It's great for people who are not librarians. You know, library advocates are certainly also invited. So what motivates you to focus on the positive? I think the other day you said you believe strongly in the the pay it forward philosophy. So I'm just wondering what motivates you to pursue this mindset? You know, I had um I had a very happy childhood. I remember that I was super creative and I mean I still have some of that creativity, but we never are the way that we were when we were kids, but I remember that I was never told that I couldn't do something. My parents were always huge supporters of following your heart and doing what makes you happy. And I think that because of them, because of the way that my siblings have always embraced and celebrated the type of people that we are, um, that's kind of been my the catalyst for really going out there and telling people, hey, you know, you can do anything you set your mind to. You know, as cliche as that is, you know, it's it's true. You know, you can get somebody who really is down on themselves and, you know, kind of help them transform themselves by just giving them a little pep talk or giving them, you know, a little bit of support and, you know, paying it forward, like you mentioned, is such a huge part of everyone's life, you know, in any part of the world. I think if you do something nice for someone or help someone by just lending them a hand with whatever it may be, 
it's a ripple effect. You know, that person will remember that and will be inspired to maybe do the same for someone else. And I don't think any bad can come from, you know, helping someone. You know, I, I always, in the people that I serve every day, I always see my parents, my elders, and I always think about how a part, in a part of my parents' lives, they might have needed something similar to what this person needs. And I feel that it's my job, it's my duty to be able to help this person because I can, you know, and if I can't, it's my job to find out how I can or to get them to somebody who can. And I think that, you know, that's, it's mainly why I'm in this, you know, line of work is because of my interactions with other people. You seem to have a real fondness for Santa Ana and the people who live there. Why do you think that is? You know, it's my home. I've never lived anywhere else. I'm not saying that I would never live anywhere else. It's just, you know, I had great experiences here. I've met some wonderful friends that, you know, I will have forever. My fam- my relatives are here. I have had some phenomenal teachers who have really opened my mind to like the possibilities of the world. And I have never, I can never say that there's anything negative that I feel for the city. You know, it has its bad qualities like any other city in the world. But I think that it's the duty of the residents, of the employees, of the people who interact with a city to kind of lift it up and really make it better. You know, if we have this negative mentality or if we have this like continuous sob story about where we are, where we grew up, you know, we're not going to progress. We're not going to be better people by putting ourselves down. So I have always supported Santa Ana. And, you know, if ever I don't work here or if ever I don't live here, I will definitely still appreciate and celebrate Santa Ana for how culturally diverse and, you know, how rich in art and, you know, business it is. And it's still thriving and it's so young and there's so much going on here and I invite you to come and check it out. It's, I mean, it's a great downtown and you know, so much going on here. Yeah. It it seems like there's a real sense of community pride in Santa Ana Mm -hmm. that I wasn't aware of. You know, there definitely is. I mean, there are some nonprofit groups that are really active and passionate about the work that they do with the community and educating the young people, educating the seniors, educating each other. Um, there's a lot of work being done here in and outside of this library. And, you know, I'm really proud of the city and I'm proud of the work that we do here at the library. Where do you see your library's role in your community's future going forward? You know, the library is the heart of a community. I mean, it should be at least because this is like the starting point for everyone that is coming here, meeting from different paths. I really think that the library can be that on a bigger scope for, for this city going forward. We have, you know, we're growing in numbers exponentially every year and our population is very young. So I really think that it would be important to, you know, expand our library services, whether it be in a satellite location or by opening up more libraries or, you know, having a bookmobile. I really think it's important to focus on that because we shouldn't be taking away resources. We shouldn't be closing libraries. We should be embracing them and opening them up and 
finding people to donate and volunteer and really make a name for the library in the community, whether it's this one or another one. So there may be some people listening that don't use their libraries too often. How would you encourage them to use their libraries? You know, the library is for everyone. I mean, even if you're not a reader, you know, you use a computer on a daily basis or you need to learn how to find historical archives from your city or, you know, you just want to take your child to hear a song or a story. I really think that it's important for everyone to visit their library. And if they're not going to actively use it, to at least be advocates, you know, to really spread the word about what the library does and how, you know, how meaningful it is for the city or for their community, whatever their community may be. If they don't know how to answer somebody's question, by all means, send them to the library because, you know, we'll help them here. If you don't have a library card, go get one. You know, it's the first step in um, in being active or at least representing your library, whether you use it or not. You know, that's a good point. And I'm just realizing while we're talking that using a library is a good first step to being a more active citizen, I guess. No, for sure. I mean, a lot of the funding that comes to libraries is, you know, because of statistics, because of, you know, how we're serving and how we're meeting the needs of a community. And if people don't come, there's no need for us, you know. So it's really we're here to serve people. This is why we exist. And we want people to come in. We definitely invite everyone to come in to use the library in any capacity, whether it's to just get out of the rain on a rainy day and come and read a book, come and do it because it means that we are doing our job correctly when that happens. So where do you see the future of your field going in the next few years and how do you think you'll adapt? You know, like in a lot of other fields, we're at a crossroads because of technology. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, do libraries still exist? Well, of course they do. You know, we need them. We use them every day. A lot of libraries, you know, are are veering away from like the Dewey Decimal System. A lot of people are using programs like Find It where it's like a bookstore where you go by category instead of by classification. And it's really quite fascinating and interesting and to be able to be a part of this field at such a turning point where, you know, you get the younger generation that is using a library a lot differently than people who were coming in 10, 20 years ago uh, to yeah. research or to, to, I mean, can you remember the card catalog? I mean, yep. a, a, I mean, I do too. And I just can't imagine like how I would have done it. You know, I would, I'm sure I would have figured it out or we would have learned, but, <laughs> but You know, it's a very interesting time for us to be able to use technology, you know, to really strengthen what we do as librarians. It's it's interesting. And it's kind of I find that I'm doing it all the time. You know, if if I hear a piece of information, whether I'm at work or not, I need to know what the answer is. You know, so I'm always researching. I'm always trying to find answers. And I think that as long as people are asking questions, there will be a need for libraries because that's part of the human condition is to be curious and to want to know and want to grow and explore. And when people stop asking questions, then, Hey, you know, maybe that'll be the time when we won't exist, but you know, that's not going to happen because everyone always will want to know something. If listeners want to follow the Santa Ana public library online, what would be the best way to do that? For sure. Our website is Santa hyphen org slash library. 
Then we also have a Facebook and Twitter, and that's Santa Anna P-R-C-S-A. And then you can find our YouTube channel at Santa Anna Library. Oh, it's on the YouTube channel. Uh, that's actually all the programming that I supervise here through part of our cable channel. We have community events. We have public service announcements. We have uh, special events here in the library, people that have come in, author visits. Um, and we basically have our group of media experts that we have trained here in-house. And they go out, they film these events, they edit them here in-house. They put them out for the world to see on YouTube. And they're on our local cable channel, CTV3. Very cool. Now, what about you? If someone wants to follow you online or get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? For sure. I'm on Facebook and Twitter at David Lopez 85, or you can find me on Instagram, Mr. Dave Lopez, or you can find me on WordPress at Mr. David Lopez. And then my email is Dave Lopez 85 at yahoo.com. Sounds good. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, thanks, Josh. I really appreciate you taking the time. I think it's really important that that you're doing this type of work and this podcast is really, really awesome. And I wish you the best of luck. Oh, thank you. And <laughs> thank you for doing this a second time. No, for sure. It was better. I think this time around. This has been the plural of you. I'm Josh Morgan and the show's website is plural That's all I have for now. Thank you for being kind today. Take care. 